Yep, it's that time again. It is another episode of Wrestling with Theology. My name is Pastor Doug Minton. Proud to be your guide this week as we dig deeper into the book of Exodus. Uh, this week we are having episode number 43 as we dig deeper into the great action sequence of the book of Exodus, the Passover and Exodus. We'll spend a few months digging deeper into these events so that we might see how great these events, which most of us remember from Sunday school, are for our lives even today. So in this episode, we'll look at the first 28 verses of Exodus 12 as God institutes the liturgical calendar as well as the Passover itself. So we begin with verses 1 through 6. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. This month shall be for you the beginning of months. The Jewish calendar says today, September 27th, is the 27th day of Elul in the year 5780. Does the Jewish calendar begin with the month of the first Passover? Has it already been almost 6,000 years since these things? No. The Jewish calendar begins with creation, which they believe is less than 6,000 years ago. This is a general estimate which is in the range of most conservative Christian estimates. I remember the first time I picked up my grandfather's Bible when I was a kid. It was a cross-reference Bible where the top line in the middle column had a date. For Genesis 1, it had 4004 BC. Is this true? Is this the right date for the creation? I don't know. Everyone who tries to use the genealogies to date things have all kinds of numbers. But I believe, teach, and confess that creation is somewhere in the last six to 8,000 years. That jives well with what we have in the Bible and from church history. I am most definitely a young earther. More of the questions about the date of creation and the age of the earth can be found at AnswersInGenesis.org, and I encourage you to go there. Verse 3 begins the long specific process God has instituted for the Passover. It takes days to get ready for it. A reminder that God does not want anything in his worship to be rushed, but that everything needs to be done with purpose. We can go back to Cain and Abel as to the difference between one who has come prepared for worship and one who just kind of gathers up what is there. The Passover and worship itself is not something you can just throw together at the last moment. The lamb is selected on the 10th of the month and kept under watch until the 14th to make sure that it had no blemish, blindness, a limp, a shorter leg, etc. Because God requires this holiday of all Israelites, he makes provisions for all the people. The number of people in the household determine the size of the lamb needed. If the family was too small for a lamb by itself, neighbors could join together for a single lamb. The amount was according to how much each person could eat. To also ensure that the sheep population wouldn't go extinct, God allows for either a sheep or a goat. The only requirement was that it had to be a male a year old. 
This signifies Christ in the prime of his life, because a male sheep or goat reaches puberty between four and six months of age. So at one year, it is considered an adult. So at twilight, on the 14th of Nisan, as the sun is going down on the 13th, the lambs are slaughtered. The Passover is the feast whose celebration begins at the beginning of the Holy Day. The 14th is set aside for feasting. The 15th began the Feast of Unleavened Bread. God goes into more detail in Exodus 23, which we'll dig deeper into when we get there. Now we move into the distinguishing parts of this feast as we look at verses 7 through 13. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lentil of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roast it, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. After the lamb was slaughtered, the blood was taken from the lamb and smeared on the doorpost and on the lentils of the door to the house. This illustrates Jesus' arms outstretched on the cross. At the foot of the cross, you find yourself under the Lamb of God's blood as it flows from his wounds. As the Israelites were protected by the Passover lamb's blood, Christians are protected under the Lamb of God's blood. When it comes to cooking the lamb, there is only one way to cook it. It had to be roasted over the fire. No other method of cooking was allowed. Part of this was the fact that the first Passover was all about haste. At midnight, God was going to go through Egypt and kill the firstborn in every house where there was no blood on the doorpost. Shortly afterward, the Egyptians would literally drive the Israelites out of the land. Therefore, the lamb had to be cooked quickly. Boiling would take too long. Roasting was the quickest way. Roasting the Passover lamb over the open fire best illustrates the Lamb of God suffering the torments of hell for the three hours of darkness on the cross. Hanging on that cross, suspended between heaven and earth, Jesus basically hung over the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. Revelation 19.20 The roasted lamb was served with unleavened bread because they didn't have time to allow the bread to rise. This remains a statute as the Passover is not just a liturgical celebration. It is a celebration of a historical event. As a remembrance of this event, each Passover has unleavened bread. Jesus used the unleavened bread of the Passover to institute the Lord's Supper. Following his institution, we receive his body in, with, and under unleavened bread. God continues the institution of his holy day in verses 14 through 20. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days. But what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. 
and you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, for on this very day I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, from the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened, in all your dwelling places you shall eat unleavened bread. The Passover is to be kept as a memorial day for all generations. It is the first of the everlasting statutes God gives us in the Torah. These everlasting statutes are all memorials. They remember an activity God did for the salvation of his people. Activities that foreshadowed Christ's Passover on the cross of Calvary. While there are many parallels between the Passover and the Lord's Supper, this is the one main place where they diverge. The Passover is strictly a memorial of something that happened once. God never went back through Egypt or anywhere else and killed the firstborn. But when the Lord's Supper comes around, Jesus comes with his body and blood every time. Yes, we remember his passion, his suffering, and death. But we celebrate that the forgiveness of sins, everlasting life, and salvation are given in this meal. Something the Passover could never do. On top of the Passover is the week-long Feast of Unleavened Bread. While not necessarily a feast of only unleavened bread, which would be more of a fast, all leaven was to be purged from the houses before the Passover started. While leaven is used to symbolize sin throughout the Bible, our work of purging it from our lives is futile. We can't get rid of it all. That is why Jesus, the true Passover lamb, came to be slaughtered at the Passover. He removes all our sins. Nothing memorial about that. He daily and richly forgives my sins and the sins of all believers, as Luther reminds us in the third article of the Creed. Now that we have God's institution in verses 1 through 20, Moses has to bring the message to the Israelites. So here we wrap up with verses 21 through 28. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lentil and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lentil and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? You shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt, when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did so, as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. As God has instituted, the Israelites followed through with all of his instructions. When Moses speaks of the Passover in verse 23, he speaks of the Lord not allowing the destroyer to enter your house. This is the only time the destroyer is mentioned. And this is where the imagery of the cloud in Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments movie originated. 
this idea of the destroyer. But also, as has evolved over the centuries, the beginning of the Passover liturgy itself comes from this section. The youngest member of the family asks the question, What do you mean by this service? Then the patriarch of the family explains this memorial meal and the deliverance God brought about for the Israelites. The Passover is the greatest salvific event in the Old Testament. We have seen God's command of institution and the Israelites' initial preparation. As we progress with digging deeper over the next few months, we will see the great glory of God revealed as he brings his people out of the house of slavery with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment, recalling Exodus 6.6. 6. Until then, may God strengthen your faith as you wrestle with theology. Amen.